They just came on now. Let's try to get closer to the stage. Sorry. Do you want to go on my shoulders? Yeah, that'd be unreal, thanks. Wow. Three celebrates connections made by music this summer. Find out more at 3.ie forward slash music. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and today's guest is the author of Engagement from Scratch and blogger, marketer, extraordinary, um, Maven, Firepole Marketing's Danny Innie. Danny, welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Maggie. I'm really excited to be here. Well, thanks for joining us today and outside of business hours too. Oh, no problem at all. Now, you've been in marketing for a long time, uh, but Firepole Marketing's only a few years old. Tell me why you started it. Um, sure. Well, Firepole Marketing began um, just as an idea between me and my then partner. Um, we started together. He's no longer really involved, Peter. Um, I was a marketing strategist and consultant. Peter was a marketing coach and a business coach, so there was a lot of overlap between what we do. We both serviced small business owners and entrepreneurs, kind of zero to ten employees was the sweet spot kind of range. And what we found was that there are a lot of people in that range who were doing really well, who could afford our services, you know, no problem at all. But there were also a lot of people who were just starting out, didn't really know what they were doing, needed a lot of help, and couldn't afford to pay for it. And so we gave a lot of our time away for free, which is fine because, you know, the entrepreneurial world is a very pay-it-forward kind of space, but our time wouldn't scale. You can only help so many people in that way. And so we decided to put together a training program that would give them the skills that they need at a rate that they could afford. So we worked really hard. We built this training program. And when we had finished it, we were like, okay, we have to get the word out. And we started building um, the blog, Firepole Marketing, as a way of getting the word out, which, you know, looking back, this is really the backwards way to do it. I would never recommend to anyone to do it this way. I tell them, you know, build the audience first, build the platform first, and then build something for them. But this is how it just happened for us. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, it, one of the interesting comments you've just mentioned is this notion of time not scaling. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, a lot of times um, bloggers will give information away for free, and uh, certainly that is a, a great way to begin the, the engagement process. Um, but Talk to me a little bit more about the whole notion of time not scaling, about the limitations. Well, it's pretty straightforward. It's just, you know, the very simple, very straightforward idea that there are only so many hours in the day. And so there's a very direct, you know, unless you're not doing anything with your time, which I, I find it hard to believe that anyone listening to this podcast would have that kind of problem. Um, anything you do comes with an opportunity cost of something else that you're not doing. And so, you know, you want to help people and you want to give free advice even in many cases. That was the case for us. But, you know, we've got to do some work. We've got to pay bills. And, you know, helping one person really created the situation where it means you're not helping somebody else. Um, you couldn't, you know, spend the same amount of time and help 10 times as many people the way you can with a book that you've written or a product that you've created. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a lot of marketing companies out there. Um, what's distinctive, would you say, about Firepole? Well, first of all, we're not a marketing company. 
Um, we don't do, with rare exceptions, marketing for other companies. We're in the marketing education business. Um, we teach business owners and entrepreneurs how to do better marketing to grow their businesses. Um, so, so almost the better comparison would be, you know, other sources of education and learning and training. And the big differences are that, first of all, we are very good at marketing, which is important. You've got to know the subject matter, but we're also very good at education. Um, Peter, who created the Marketing That Works training program with me, is a university professor. I've been involved in various ways, often running them with uh, education companies for most of my career. Um, we understand education. We understand instructional design. We understand how to create content that's not going to be just interesting and, and flashy and impressive, but that people are going to be able to apply to understand, to, to grasp, to internalize, to apply to get results in their business. Um, and, and the other thing that differentiates us quite a bit is that we're people, we're real. And, you know, anyone who has been following my stuff knows me. They know what's going on um, with me, with my business. They know they can reach out to me with questions anytime, whether they've bought anything from me or not. Um, and that personal connection makes a very big difference. Yes, yeah, so I think the responsiveness is, is really a key differentiator and uh, and maybe strangely unusual although in your book it's uh, it's probably one of the big things that comes up again and again it is and it's you know it it's weird because people ask me you know what's the secret to your success and I tell them I answer my emails and they're like no really what is it and I'm like really you know try it you'll see but the thing is it's a lot of work and it's a lot of work on an ongoing basis and I know even people who are kind of great really successful people in this space who understand engagement, you know, you get swamped. And I understand, you know, when I get hundreds of emails a day, which is, you know, every day, it can be exhausting to keep on top of it. And so you look at how can you somehow optimize and, and get faster at it and, you know, maintain those relationships and create that value for people without giving up your whole day. You don't want to get to the point where, you know, my job is answering emails. Um, and I recognize that, you know, there is going to be, we talked about scalability issues, right? So there is going to be a scalability issue that I'm going to face pretty soon. I mean, I can do what I do now that I have close to 10,000 people following me. I don't think I'll be able to, you know, be quite as responsive to everybody when that number is 100,000. Um, but I'm still figuring that one out. So I, I don't know what the solution to that is yet. Do you, do you have a, a secret tip or something for uh, that's not really the subject of our conversation, but uh, a secret tip for being able to maintain that responsiveness and still maintaining creative output? Um, you know, it, it's a hard question because it's not like I started by sitting down thinking, what will be the secret to my success? Oh, it will be answering email, so I must devise a methodology and strategy. It's not. It's just that you know, I'm mildly obsessive compulsive and I, I take the issue of respect for people very seriously. When someone sends me an email, I think it's rude not to respond. Like I don't not answer emails from friends either. You know, when someone emails me, I respond because I think it's rude not to. And so I kind of grew this practice organically from the ground up. And I mean, I think most of the people listening to this are probably going to be in that same situation. It's not like I started this business and suddenly I had 10,000 subscribers sending me hundreds of emails every day and I was like, oh my God, how do I keep up? You know, it started from zero and it grew gradually and I just answered all my emails because, you know, I thought that was the right thing to do. And, you know, I got used to the scale as it grew. Mm. 
Oh, for sure. And I, it's that respect as well. That that goes part and parcel, the, the idea that somebody's taking time to, I guess, construct a carefully thought, thought through email and, um, you know, respecting the fact that, that that's worth something. Yeah, absolutely. And it's. I think, again, it's easy for, like, I understand where people who are, I guess, my peers to a certain extent are coming from when they don't, um, because, you know, if I get 100 emails a day, then they do kind of some, sometimes tend to bleed together a little bit. There is a lot of overlap. I mean, people are going to ask a lot of the same questions. So another email comes in, it can feel like, oh, just one more. You know, what What does it matter? But for me, it might seem like one out of 100 emails. But for the guy or, or the girl who wrote it, you know, it's the only email. And it was a big leap or step for them to share their question or their fear or their frustration with me. And you have to remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all just people. And, and I mean, I, it's not like it's such a long time ago that I was reaching out to people. And honestly, I'm still reaching out to people. And sometimes they don't answer. And I feel that it's incredibly rude and frustrating. So, you know, why would I do that to somebody else? How could I in conscience do that to somebody else? Sure. Um, now, blogging, it's been around for, for years and years and years. Uh, in, in many ways, it's old hat. But Suddenly, it's in the news again. Um, it's it's suddenly um, being you know seen as as the big thing. What why do you think that is? Um, honestly, I have no idea. I don't watch the news, so I I'm really the <laughs> wrong person to ask. But I can speak to why I think it's really cool. I can't speak to why all of a sudden it might be fashionable again. Um, but here's what it comes down to, and and this is my guess. So maybe this actually is a good answer to that question, but. You know, I don't know. You'll have to read the articles and kind of corroborate against what I'm saying because I don't know. Um, when you have a new technology, when you have a new, you know, feature of, of something that can be done, there's lots of hype. There's lots of excitement around it. You know, we're seeing it around Pinterest. We're seeing it around Instagram or whatever is the hot technology of the day. And blogging was that hot technology um, however many years ago. And, you know, it stopped being the new and cool thing. But some things are cool not just because they're new. They're cool because they're really cool and there's a lot of great things that you can do with them. They're powerful. And I think blogging might be acquiring that appreciation from people um, for what it's actually capable of doing. It's, it's this amazing way of disseminating content in a way that is truly conversational, in a way that you know, for all the talk, other media aren't so much. You know, I can write a blog post. People can comment. It really is a conversation. Leaving a video response on another video is not quite as seamless or as easy for people to do. There's a higher barrier to activity. You've got to have your camera. You've got to get set up. You've got to think through what you've got to say so that you don't feel like it's, you know, because it's one take and you're done. It's more challenging, which means less people actually do it, whereas text is a much more comfortable, familiar medium. Um, so it allows people to share information, both that they've created or that they've found, interact with it in a very, very powerful way. So it comes down to engagement and community again, doesn't it? It does, absolutely. Mm. And I think that's something that perhaps you know is hot at the moment. I mean, we're discovering, and certainly your your book um, makes that very clear that that those are the two keys, aren't they? To um, you know, to to really growing and building a business, even for large scale companies, even for big big companies, that engagement, conversation, accessibility, interaction. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's the only way to build a business. I don't want to be kind of a greedy reductionist and say that you can't be successful without engagement. Because, you know, if you're selling bubble gum or if you're selling, um, you know, off-label cola drinks or stuff like that, there are or apples, there are things that don't require that kind of customer relationship. But in most cases, that's not the kind of business you want to be in, with some exceptions. You know, most of the people who are listening to this, this is probably not what they're looking to do. They're not selling something that's completely undifferentiated, where they do lots of volume on, on very low price and, and low margins. You know, you probably want to sell something that is substantially different from what everybody else is selling, and you want people to understand why it's substantially different. Um, and that comes through via relationships. And it's always been the case. It's, I, I had a conversation with someone the other day. It was a very interesting conversation, actually. But in a lot of ways, we've been out of our elements for quite a long time. Like if you look back in history, starting about um, the time of the Industrial Revolution, technology has allowed us to be in situations where we can do things and interact with each other in ways that are really not natural for human beings. You know, human beings evolved to interact in small communities. We're very social. And technology is finally starting to catch up to the point where it's allowing us to interact with each other the way we evolved to, the way we were supposed to. Um, and that's really what a lot of this engagement and relationship marketing and all that stuff, that's really all it really comes down to. Mm, that's a wonderful way to put it. Um, so, um, quite recently, you had a, a really um, good post on your blog, which caught my eye, titled Three Ways to Market Your Creative Business If You'd Rather Just Make Art. <laughs> and uh, we've got a lot of listeners, I'm sure, who'd rather just make art. Um, and I think that old tug of war between creativity and marketing is a, is a biggie um, for many people. But why do creative people need to become marketers? Why don't we just, can't we just, you know, stay in our room and create mar uh, create our art? Um, I think it comes down to understanding what marketing is. You know, a lot of the resistance that people have to marketing is not really resistance to marketing. It's resistance to really bad, sleazy marketing. You know, marketing is not about ads everywhere, and it's not about, you know, trying to sell the latest pyramid scheme, and it's not about being a used car salesman. It's not about any of those things. Marketing is fundamentally about aligning what you have with what the people you want to serve actually want and making them aware of that, making it easy for them to get what you've got. And so you can, if you're an artist, if you just want to make art as a hobby, you know, you can do that. But if you want your art to not just be for yourself, if you want to be serving others and if you want to be compensated for your work, then someone else has to appreciate your art enough to buy it which means that you've got to make not just whatever art you feel like, but art that somebody is going to like. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, selling out or, or just, you know, creating what you think people are going to want. It means, you know, you don't have to create mass market art. You have to create art that the one person you want to buy it is going to love. And so you've got to find that kind of really good fit between what you've got and what they want. And that might mean iterating your art to be more of what they want. It might mean iterating your customer to find someone who's a better fit for what you've got, but you've got to find that fit. And you've got to just present it to them in a way that makes it easy and accessible for them to, to buy what you've got because they want it and you want to sell it to them. 
Mm. Do you feel the rules of promotion are different for authors than for other people? Um, no. No, honestly, I don't. Um, I think, and here's what it comes down to. Marketing is one of those things that it's not like being a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer where you have to be certified. And you're, you either are a doctor or you aren't. You can't like kind of be a doctor, right? You're either board certified or you're not. Um, with marketing, it's not like that. There is no official certification, and it's one of those things that because it's very intuitive, people think they understand even when they don't. So anyone who's read a book or taken a class thinks they're a marketer. And they may be they may be doing marketing. That doesn't make them an expert marketer. It doesn't mean they really know what they're doing. And if that's the situation of, of the person who's kind of making these assertions, they're like, marketing is different for this group, it's different for that group. But it's I would argue it's because they don't really understand how marketing works. Marketing fundamentally is very, very simple. It's about creating alignment, like I said, between what you've got and what people want and what they want and what you've got you know, reciprocally, um, which is just about knowing your customer and aligning to the value that they need, attracting their attention, and communicating it to them and giving them an opportunity to take you up on what they want, engaging with them. Now, how you go about doing that you know, it's going to be different for everyone. So, yes, in that sense, you know, marketing a book is different from marketing a bar of soap, is different from marketing an information product, is different from marketing a movie. You know, every kind of marketing is different. But at its, at its core, it's really not. It's not like you're playing a different game. If you're a yes, writer, like, let's, let's use a couple. Of, I mean, first of all, fiction and nonfiction are totally different, right? Um, in terms of who you're trying to reach and why they're buying what you're selling. And that's the difference. Like, the difference is not in um, in what you're selling. It's in the motivation of who you're selling it to. Mm. And, of course, there's no board certification for artists either. <laughs> no, and, and that's totally fine because, you know, there's something good about the fact that anyone can be a marketer, Um you know, anyone can try and pick up and learn by doing and all things being equal, as long as there isn't a risk of killing someone in surgery or, you know, someone going to prison because you're not much of a lawyer. It's good to learn by doing. It's how we learn. We only certify the things where it would be too dangerous for people to, to do that. You know, if, if someone learned by doing as an engineer, we would have a lot more, you know, structural architectural problems than we do in real life. Um, but learning is a, doing is a good way to learn. And so that's yes. totally and that's how artists acquire skill in many cases. Yes, and I suppose that that all important interaction with the audience, which as you you know very nicely put, is where that marketing comes in. Mm-hmm. It's being able to draw in that audience and and make that connection. But of course, you're an author too. So um, tell me a little bit about engagement from scratch. Sure. Well, engagement from scratch and and. I mean, I can situate this in all the stuff I've written because it's not the only thing I've, I've written, but Engagement from Scratch is a book that I published at the end of November. It's a compilation work, so basically I want to write a book about how do you create an engaged audience from scratch, and I realized that my perspective on the issue, even though I thought I had a good answer to that question, was very incomplete. There are a lot of different ways up this mountain. The only way I could do it justice was getting the input of all the people who have successfully climbed other other faces of that mountain. So I had 30 co-authors contribute to each one a chapter, answering the question, basically, how would you build an engaged audience if you had to start from scratch? 
and very different kinds of answers. Um, there's my answer as well, of course. Um, published it at the end of November. It was very well received. It's been downloaded um, and read well over 12,000 times, I believe. It's got over 90 uh, five-star reviews on Amazon. It's um, actually been one of the top 20 best-selling marketing books on Kindle since it was published, So, which is ironic because it's not really a marketing book, but that's besides the point. So it's been very well received. and It is free. Anyone can go to engagementfromscratch.com and just download the whole thing, like no strings, nothing missing. Um, so it's a great book, and it's done very well. I don't know how much credit I can actually take for it, given that I only wrote a small portion of it. Um, is that kind of what you were asking, or, or were you? Yeah, for sure. So it, clearly it's doing well. Um, why are you giving it away? Um, for a bunch of reasons. First of all, I, want to, I just wanted to get out there. I wanted to help as many people as, as I can. Um, second of all, you know, I want it to be read, and I want it to sell to a certain extent. I don't really care about book sales because, you know, books are cheap and the commissions an author gets on a book are very low, which means that you know you 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 know you make a couple dollars on a sale. So you really, unless you're selling hundreds of thousands of copies of books, which you know hardly anyone is, you're not making money on book sales. So if I cannibalize book sales, I don't care. But I'm not cannibalizing book sales because, yes, there are some people who will download the book for free instead of buying the book, um, but not a lot. And most people, like, there are a lot of people who download the book that wouldn't have bought it. So I get probably 10 or 20 downloads for every sale that I would have made. And some of those people go on and buy the book because if you like it, you don't want to read 241 pages on your laptop. So it doesn't actually cannibalize book sales. But more importantly, the relationship with the reader is worth a lot more to me than the like $2 I'll make off of a book sale anyway. I'd much rather someone download it for free so that you know they can receive updates about what I'm doing and interact with me via email and I can build that relationship than you know, the, the $2 commission on a sale is really worth to me. Mm. So it's a, a pretty good example of what it's preaching. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and uh, you know that that notion of collaboration as well um, is something that comes up in the book about you know reading others, looking at others, interacting with others. Um, is that was that your thinking when you started to contact the other people who um, participated in the book? Yeah, I mean, what it comes down to is that as smart as you are, and the further along I get at this, the the more success, relatively speaking, I have, the more I realize that there are a lot. Of of people who are a lot smarter than, at this than I am. Um, but as smart as you are, there are a lot of other smart people. And as good an answer as you have to a given question, it's probably still very incomplete. And the only way to get it, you know, more and better information and more and better results is to bring other chefs in to, to help you bake the cake, so to speak. Is there also, a, I guess, a sense of the wisdom of crowds? I mean, once you get all these different, and sometimes they're quite different, um, opinions together, something else kind of comes out of it too, though. There's, there's, uh, you know, looking at the book as a whole, there seems to be some consistent and, and quite important messages that come out of it that everybody is saying. Well, I think it goes both ways, actually. There are a lot of common threads, and I think those are really important. Those are kind of the building blocks that, almost everyone agrees on. And then there are a lot of things that people disagree on. And, you know, it's ironic. I've had most of the negative reviews of the book, and thankfully there haven't been many, 
but they're kind of along the lines of, you know, I found a couple of messages repetitive between people, which is like, duh, of course, you would expect that there would be some overlap. Um, or, you know, I didn't like this or that essay. But, you know, everyone dislikes different essays, different, different chapters, and that's kind of the point. It's that see what people all agree on, and that's probably something you should take to heart. And the stuff that people disagree about, well, you don't have to do all of it. You have to see which of those messages, which of those paths resonate for you. You don't need 20 paths up the mountain. You just need one that works for you. Mm, for sure. Now, you're giving 50% of the profits from book sales to the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. Um, why is philanthropy important for marketers, for anybody? Why do we need to have this in our lives? Because it's a pay-it-forward kind of world. Um, everyone needs help at various times. Um, I certainly have along my career. And the people who help, you're not going to be in a position to help back the people who helped you in most cases. So you pay it forward um, because it's the right thing to do. It's a smart business thing to do because it builds the relationships that you want to build with your customers, your audience, the world at large. And I mean, in a bigger picture sense, you know, the more people I teach marketing, even if it's for free, I teach them how to do it well. They grow their businesses. They build their businesses. They're doing better. They're employees are doing better it's better for everyone and some of them are going to eventually turn around and buy something from me you know a healthy economy is good for everyone in the economy mm. so i mean it's kind of like paying taxes you know we complain about taxes being too high especially in some parts of the world but um it's a lot better than the alternative you know if you're paying a lot of taxes it's because you're fortunate to have been blessed with the opportunities that you know allow you to earn enough to justify paying those taxes and it's only fair to take some of that and pay it towards helping other people have those opportunities because eventually that creates a world that means more opportunity for everyone yourself included for sure and and why did you choose that particular um that particular um charity network for teaching entrepreneurship um, because those are both things that I care a great deal about. I think entrepreneurship is something incredibly important. I think the world is becoming more entrepreneurial. Um, and it's something just, it needs to be happening and done much, much more. And I care a great deal about education. I'm a teacher in my personality. I mean, you know, I define us very explicitly. We're in the marketing education business. And I think business and entrepreneurial education are things that are not done well enough um, hardly anywhere, to be honest. Um, I think the business education world needs a dramatic overhaul, um, probably the education world in general. That's, a, that's its own conversation. Um, and the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship is, you know, that's what they're working on, um, as are many others. But, you know, the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship is doing it, and I want to do my part to support them. Mm. Now, let's just talk briefly. Um, we're getting towards the end of the interview, but let's talk briefly about fun. Um, how do you, you blogged about not wanting to grow up. How do you maintain the balance between professionalism and having a good time? Um, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I always talk about, there are a lot of these false dichotomies people have about the business world. So one of them is this idea that you've got to choose, you know, are you going to do the smart business thing or are you going to do the good thing, the right thing? And I, I don't agree with that dichotomy. I think it's the same thing. 
in almost every case, with rare exceptions, as long as you're not, you know, myopically short-sighted. Um, and it's kind of the same thing. I don't think being professional is the opposite. Excuse me, is the opposite end of having fun. I think if you're doing what you like, if you like what you're doing, it is fun. I mean, I enjoy my work. With you know, there are exceptions from time to time, but I enjoy what I do. I like my work. I like the people that I work with. I don't, you know, I don't go to bed on Sunday night or wake up on Monday morning saying, "Oh no, you know, it's another week to get through." It's it's almost the other way around. You know, they they, they say that entrepreneurs are people who they also say, "Thank God it's Friday," um, but they mean, you know, because now I have two days that I can work without anyone interrupting me. And if you're like, oh, no, it's Monday, it's like, it's, that's why. It's like I got so much done over the weekend, and now it's, you know, it, it'll slow down. But I like what I do. And, I, you know, some people might see that as, like, workaholism, but, you know, I, I like what I do. I'm, I, this is what I would do if I didn't have to make any money. Yes, well, that's a great position to be in. Um, and speaking of work, I know you've got a lot of projects in the pipeline. Um, what's some of the big ones on the horizon? And just briefly. Well, the big project that I've been working on a lot lately and will continue to work on over the next little while is uh, Naked Marketing. Um, I released the Naked Marketing Manifesto at the end of May. It, it garnered a lot more support and feedback and, and momentum than I expected. It, um, at the request of, of the community, I'm, I'm basically I'm writing a book about Naked Marketing. I'm turning it into a book with the help of about 80 writing team members from the community. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that, and that's a big thing that I'm working on over the next little while. Um, the other big thing that I'm working on is kind of scaling up Firepool Marketing. I, I don't know if you saw on the blog, you know, we hired um, two new people just a few weeks ago. So, you know, it was uh, Peter hasn't been in the picture for a while now. It's been me and Megan for the last couple of years, and I just hired two new people. So our, our team has doubled. Um, and scaling everything up and building up those systems is part of what's involved and in kind of looking ahead and saying, well, what do we want to do next? And what is the next level of, of where Firepool marketing is going to go? And, you know, I have some ideas. I'm not quite ready to share them yet, um, but it's going to be huge and it's going to be awesome. Excellent. And where can people find you? Give us the link. Um, pretty much everywhere. They call me the Freddy Krueger of blogging for <laughs> for a reason. So if you, if you Google Danny Eney, um, I-N-Y, you'll find me. But really the easiest way to connect with me is go to engagementfromscratch.com, download my book. You can get the whole book for free, um, which will give you a good sense of who I am and what I'm about. And uh, if you have any questions or any comments or feedback or anything like that, reply to any email that you will have received from me, including that first email saying, here is my book. And um, it'll go straight to my inbox, and I'm very happy to connect whether you buy anything from me or not. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's really the best way to connect. And, you know, you can search around and go to Firepool Marketing. You can go to NakedMarketing.com. There's lots of stuff out there. But, you know, rather than getting overwhelmed, really go to EngagementFromScratch.com, download my book, and uh, and I'd love to connect. Wonderful. Well, that's all we have time for today. But, Danny, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And don't forget to join us next month when we interview author Margaret Wertheim, who will be joining us to talk about her new book, Physics on the Edge. Thanks and bye.